All right, welcome back to Trumbled Ads. This is the post Super Bowl edition uh, with my co hosts, Mr. Rob Finn, BG, who we call Brian. I call Brian because I can butcher his last name, and myself, Nate Moyer. So, all right, guys, well, Super Bowl 40, 55, 55 is over. Um, 55, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat. The Kansas City Chiefs 31-9, which, I mean, we obviously all watched that game. I don't think you, it was even that close, but um, definitely want to get your thoughts on that. We'll talk about Major League Pitchers, Pitchers and Catchers reported on Tuesday, which is awesome. And then we'll kind of talk about, I kind of want to get your take on Mets. You guys are uh, different fans, a Mets fan, a Yankees fan. I kind of want to figure out how that all worked itself out. So um, before we get started, obviously, we got to kick it off with what are we drinking tonight. So Brian, what Brian's got his can in his hand right now. So Brian, what... What are you drinking tonight? The old can in the hand. Uh, I have an Aslan Beer Company out of Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, it's a very popular uh, brewery. I've uh, been around for a while. I think uh, Nate's told me a few stories about them. Our buddy Jimmy knows them Great pretty place. well. And uh, I, I'm new to it. Uh, it's new to the uh, Connecticut area here uh, as far as distribution goes. Uh, this is a single IPA from them called Astro Zombie. 6.2% regular old IPA. Delicious. Nice and fruity and sweet. And probably drink a few of these. So let's cheers to that. Nice. Yeah, that's a great, great brewery. And now, fun, ironically, obviously, I'm doing this on Skype, so I can see these guys. I saw Rob also has an Aslan because I can see the logo. He was very excited that he also has one. So, Rob, what, what are you drinking tonight? I don't know, but excited, but you can tell how well we prepare for these things to our thousands of listeners out there that we, we picked the same Athlon Brewery beer instead of uh, trying to mix it up and talk about something else. I have Trite IPA. Um, it's a 5.5% alcohol. It's a little weedy, but uh, I like it. It's a, it's a drinkable ale, they say. So I, I, it says loaded with hops, but I don't taste a lot of hops unless they're uh, – maybe they're from Virginia hops. They're not definitely not the uh, – the type of hop found here in New England, but it's a good, it's a good, it's a good beer. It's uh, definitely got some body to it. Like I said, it has a little bit of a wheat taste to it, but it's not bad. It's good. Uh, Try have you ever had it. a can that wasn't drinkable, Rob? Oh <laughs> man, yeah, they had like it had this. What what was it called? Coca Cola Zero, I think it was said. Something oh, okay. like that. Yeah, yeah that, that was no good. On that that What's the ABV good. on that one, there, Rob? Oh, I don't know. Not enough zero. <laughs> <laughs> all right well i got a um i went local i got a public ass access from 12 percent brewing um it's distributed by 12 percent, but public acts public access is the can it's a um it's a goss style pineapple and dragon fruit it's it's all right it's not bad it's a little different uh different than i usually drink but uh you know definitely like that 12 percent. so that's uh good spot up there in north haven if you haven't been there if you're listening connecticut make make the trip up there some got some good stuff they got some uh tropical fog that i just got to try last weekend only on tap they didn't have any cans but it was i, I loved it. it almost tastes like a um a milkshake something an ipa milkshake that you'd have in the, i don't know like in hawaii or something just got some coconut good flavors in there so anyway uh all right guys well super bowl recap so like i said it was 31-9 um, it really just didn't seem that close after the first quarter. Just, just almost, almost felt like uh, Mahomes' teams kind of, you know, fell apart. They just were dropping passes. They couldn't protect them. And Tampa Bay just looked locked in. 
And then you had uh, Tyron Matthew getting getting in Brady's face at the beginning. And I think we've learned nothing from Michael Jordan about if you upset the goat, what's going to happen. And um, I think we kind of saw that. So uh, Rob, we'll talk to you. What, what are your what are your thoughts on the Super Bowl this year? Well, I don't mean to brag, but I called that uh, the winning team would have 31 points. I uh, just honestly thought it was going to be Kansas City. Uh, I, I, I almost envisioned the same exact game plan, just opposite. I really thought Steve Spagnuolo was going to make uh, Tom Brady's life hell again, like he has in two previous Super Bowls. And he was going to make a move, get him out of the pocket. Uh, it just didn't happen. It, it was the opposite, right? Todd Bowles, I think, honestly should have gotten the MVP award over Tom Brady. I mean, that defense held the Kansas City Chiefs to zero touchdowns. I mean, when was the last time that team has not scored a touchdown? So as, as well as Brady played, I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but the defense won that game. Brady put a point, yes, um, but they were on cruise control. I mean, the defense just kept them in. They just – you thought – in the second half, here comes Mahomes. You know, they've been doing this all season. They did it last year in the Super Bowl. They're going to turn it on. But it's weird. It's almost like they made no halftime adjustments. And they just kept running the same plays. And, and they just couldn't spread the offense. I think it was uh, Tampa Bay had two safeties deep, just played zone. And they just couldn't get the ball moving and, and just made Mahomes run. Those defensive ends, JPP, um, you know, getting after him, uh, getting him on the run. And usually he's much better. So, that was a big shocker. I mean, even the fourth quarter, 0-0, zero, zero, no points scored in the fourth quarter. Tommy just you know, took it over and just ran the clock out. They were in control from, from the very start. So very surprising Super Bowl. Uh, kind of disappointing. You, you really wish it was going to be a little bit more of a shootout. You thought it would. Uh, this is going to be a good game. I really thought you know, it would be Mahomes coming from behind and, and winning 31-28 or something like that. Uh, but, you know, it, it, congratulations, Tampa Bay! First team to win it and play in their uh, home stadium. So, good for them. Yeah, that's going to be the statistics, right? Is that you know, teams that host the Super Bowl in their own stadium are hundred, you know, win hundred percent of the time now. With the one statistic, the one team. Um, Rob, just to jump on what you had said about when was the last time the Chiefs haven't scored? This is an interesting statistic with Patrick Mahomes. Until Super Bowl 55, Patrick Mahomes never had a game where his offense didn't score a single touchdown, not in high school, college, nor the NFL. So I thought that was kind of a weird statistic. That came out obviously after, but that was kind of an interesting statistic. So, uh, Brian, what was, your, what was your take on the Super Bowl? So just to go on that, I think there was some stat, and I forget exactly what the, the scoring was, but I think that was the first game that Mahomes actually trailed by more than 24 or 21 points or something like that in his career which is just incredible by itself. But anyway, yeah, he did lose, you know, Brady. Look, I mean, I think it proves Brady's Brady. Uh, he is that good. He's got those championships. He's got seven rings, uh, which is just unheard of in the NFL. Uh, two makes you a very good quarterback and potential hall of famer, but to have seven, that's just another level. Um, a friend of mine actually texted me the other day with a stat for Tom about Tom Brady and just to kind of put in perspective, you know, football is a, uh, is a team sport, you know, it's not one person, you know, Brady can do what he can do, uh, out there, but defense wins championships. And Rob, like you were saying, the Tampa D was spectacular, shut down an offense like Kansas city, a quarterback like Mahomes with all the weapons that he has, but Tom Brady in the 20 years of, in the NFL, 18 of those years, he's had a top 10 defense. 
on the other side of the ball, which is incredible. You know, I mean, 30 team, you know, you have a, a top tier defense every time. I mean, that's going to make you successful. You know, offensive line is very good, but having a top 10 defense every time you're out there, every year you're playing, that's, that's a whole other, whole other level. Uh, that we haven't seen in a very long time. And I think that attributes to his championship. So not, not to take anything away from him, you know, obviously you still got to go out there and play the game and, and be the quarterback, but having that defense cert- certainly helps. Uh, and they so, got some guys back on defense too, which was definitely helpful. I think we talked about this before the podcast, you know, they were getting some, they were getting some guys back and that, that was going to be interesting. Kansas city was supposed to get some guys back and their offensive line was hurt. So yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's defense definitely wins championships. I mean, the Giants beat Tom Brady on championships. The the, the greatest team that with a one loss, right? Exactly. I mean, Tom Brady. Tom Brady's best best year in his career. He went into a Giants defense that was just rolling, and they took care of him and shut him down, just like Tampa did with with Mahomes. You know, it's very similar to that kind of uh, shutdown. You take a great, great talent, a great team, and just kind of shut it down. Uh, Mahomes. I mean, you saw the the memes and the and all the pictures and everything where it was like Mahomes would get the ball, and there was just no offensive line, and, and it was just him back there, and yeah, it shows Tampa D just getting at him and didn't even have a chance. Tyreek Hill, the last time they played Tampa Bay, had two hundred and seventy six yards, two hundred and twenty three yards, and three touchdowns. Like he had a monster game. He was completely shut down this time. Yeah, so and that was Tampa one of the, the last lesson. losses, right, for Tampa Bay too. I mean, because they didn't start off hot. But you know what? If you look at no, their last, man. what, including playoffs, you look at the last eight or ten games, I mean, what was their record? Nine and one, maybe? I forget what it was exactly. But they didn't start off hot. That Once they started clicking, you know, and then they, they got, got healthy, healthy towards the end. Their team got healthy at the right time. They got a lot of guys back, and they just went on a run. You know, they had they had their team in place, which they hadn't had in the beginning. Everything seemed to click, and they were off to the races. I mean, the addition of Antonio Brown, you know, you kind of think, he didn't. did he produce numbers? Not really. But his presence out there actually helped Tom Brady because he was able to hit him with a short pass, you know, coming uh, um, across the middle. Uh, maybe, you know, coming in motion, shovel pass to him. Little things like that open up the field for everything yeah, I mean, else. You, you look at those weapons Brady had. I mean, you're talking about – We've talked. I think we may have talked about this too a couple weeks ago is um, Antonio Brown like kind of stopped being a head case and kind of just jumped into being a team player for once in – um, you know, he wasn't the number one receiver. He wasn't the number two. He's like the number four, right? Between, you know, Godwin, Evans, and then you got um, Gronk. I mean, Brown kind of slotted into that fourth spot and he seemed to be okay with it. I think, you know, whatever he ha- whatever that connection is he had with Brady with, you know, hanging out in the off season or something like that, him coming over from Tampa Bay, that, that was huge too. I mean, th- those are little things that, that add up. Um, I, I like what Rob said about Todd Bowles. It's funny because a lot of that's the same Cardinals coaching staff from year, a few years ago when we had Carson Palmer. It was Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, his defensive coordinator. Everybody in Arizona loved those guys. They're both really cool. Both did a great job. Byron Leftwich was, I think, the quarterback's coach at the time. Now he's the offensive coordinator. So um, I know a lot of Arizona fans that were pretty pretty stoked. They were rooting for Tampa Bay, just mainly for the coaching staff. Um, and obviously in Arizona, they don't really care that much about Tom Brady. I know in New England, you either love him or you hate him, but, you know, uh, I think I think it's all been said. He he did a great job with it. The defense was spot on. I think Mahomes did everything he could. I mean, he has the lateral pat the, the passes where he's you know in midair making a thirty yard pass on the on the 
on a dime right to the guy's hands. He still drops it. I mean, Mahomes did what he could. I think at some point they didn't they didn't make an adjustment because there's nothing they could do. I think it just wasn't their game, and there's nothing Mahomes could could do. I think there was a, definitely a few passes that the players should have caught <laughs> that would have helped. But I think that would have just made it a little bit closer on the scoreboard. But it wasn't going to change the outcome of the game. But oh well, you think uh, which one do you think's in better shape to win it all next year, Tampa Bay or Kansas City? Brian, what do you think? Oh, Kansas City. I mean, just right now. I, I mean, you can't. You know, the one game. Yes, it was the big game, and they 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 could have won the championship there. But if you're going to look towards the future, Kansas City definitely has the momentum going into next year. Uh, can Tampa repeat? I don't know. When was the last time uh, Super Bowl uh, had a repeat? You know, uh, Tom Brady, New England Patriots, two thousand three and two thousand four. <laughs> right. Well, that was going on 20 years ago. So right. that's a he, long time. He stopped the first repeat, you know, for beating Kansas city from the previous repeat, which was him, his first. Right. But, look, but look at the team. Like I, I can't see Grunt coming back again next year or even being a shell of, of himself. You know, he's, I don't see that happening. I mean, Mike Evans is really good. Godwin's really good. If, if Brady, Brady says he's coming back, he's going to play another year. Uh, I mean, I, I guess you can't count them out. But if you're going to tell me that you know you got Tampa or Kansas City, which one has the better shot of going back to the Super Bowl next year? I'd say Kansas City. I think yeah, Kansas City only for the motivation. I mean, I think they kind of thought this was going to be their game; they were going to do it. I think this is just going to motivate them to play better, do better, and work harder. Nothing against Tampa Bay. I think they had a good game plan. They have Tommy, but he's going to be a year older. Gronk's going to be a year older. Like all those guys are going to be a year older, and they might be a little uh, what's that Super Bowl hangover sluggish, you know? So we'll see. Um, they might not even be the best team in the NFC next year. They just they had a good run. Well, know? we know I mean, Brady's going to be hungover. You saw him at the party yeah. <laughs> throwing the trophy off, over the, off Throw, the boat. You saw him try to get him off the boat. So, yes, he will certainly have the uh, proverbial <laughs> Super Bowl hangover. Now, I think Kansas City, I think Mahomes, is, that's, that's, he's, he's never going to let go. And he's younger. They're good. Um, but I give it to Kansas City just for the motivation factor. They're going to be scary yeah. next year. One thing I will throw out there is uh, it kind of came out after the after the after the Super Bowl was that Bruce Arians kind of let his guys take the days off when they needed to. Gronk wouldn't play practice every every day. Tom Brady would text him and say, "Hey, I don't want to throw on Wednesday." And Bruce Arians is like, "Okay, cool. Just you know, just come and work out. Don't don't throw then." You know, so he was pretty probably a little bit more laid back than and Belichick obviously would be. So we'll see. I mean, with some of the older guys, maybe that kind of helped a little bit this season. I don't know if they could repeat. I think you're. What you guys both said is right. Kansas City is going to be a little more motivated. I don't know that Tampa, Tampa is going to just going to be a little bit older, um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, I think Drew Brees is probably going to retire, so that's that's one less person in the division. Um, so they might be able to breeze in their division, but I don't know if they can make it out at the NFC unless they play the Packers in the NFC Championship. Then obviously that's a given that they're going to the Super Bowl. So, um, all right, guys. Well, we're going to switch it over to Major League Baseball pitchers and catchers report this week. Spring training, Florida, Arizona. Um, definitely excited to see some some spring training. I know it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, I think some, they're going to have some fans, at least in Arizona. I'm not sure what they're doing in Florida. Uh, so it, it'll be a little bit different, but whatever. It's it's spring training baseball. It's a lot of fun. So uh, what, are you, what are you guys' take on spring training this year? Do you think they're going to get through it? Do you think there's going to be some, um, I don't know, some time off for COVID issues? What do you think, Rob? We'll start with you this time. What? What do you think for uh, what's your take on spring training this year? Uh, man, you know, 
who would have thought we'd still be dealing with all this COVID stuff in February and uh, pitchers and catchers report. I'm happy it's back. I miss baseball. I know we had it last year. It didn't feel the same in such a short season, but uh, I'm happy to have a spring training. So, so we'll see. I, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of COVID code, uh, protocols, a lot of stoppages or guys sitting out. So it's going to be a really interesting season, uh, especially in the beginning until the summertime comes. You know, Cuomo's already said that we can have a 10% capacity in the stadiums, and hopefully that gets increased as we go over time and more people get vaccinated. And, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think they're doing they're, – they've learned a lot from other protocols, so I think they're they're putting – they're looking at putting, uh, I guess, bracelets or something on the players to make sure that they're not going out um, with this and, and and just trying to be safe because they don't want to have to shut the team down. They don't want those guys out without a mask at clubs and partying. And, and just they're paying these guys a lot of money. So, you know, if these guys want to sit out a season and not get paid, then by all means, go ahead. Go out and party. But if they want to make their $30 million and play baseball, then they better be smart about it because they're going to be sitting out for, for two weeks and – it's different when you have COVID for a football team. Well, let me rephrase. Like when you have to miss a game for football, yeah, you know, it's one game out of 16. I know it's important. But with baseball, if you're out for two weeks, that's a long stretch for a baseball, you know, team. That's that's four homestands or not homestands, but four, uh, four series. So they got to be careful. I mean, I think they're going to the MLB is trying to be as cautious as they can with this and keep the players safe. But, you know, and, and – not let them be stupid. But I think, you know, it's going to be tough for them to go. Uh, it's going to be tough to, to get a whole season. And so I'm interested to see. They didn't seem to put any kind of backup days or more days off, you know, to have to switch games around. Like football was a little bit easier. I mean, we saw a Tuesday night game for the Steelers. You know, they still have the same amount of off days in baseball. So it's going to be interesting. There might be a lot of doubleheaders. I think they've already said that they're going to make two seven inning games for double headers to kind of speed it up. They like that idea last year. So we might see a lot of double headers come July and August. You're talking more regular season than spring training, right? Yes. With, uh, yeah. Double headers. Just mean the season in general. Double headers, but yeah. yeah. So we'll see. Um, I'm happy it's back, but we'll see how, how much baseball we get in. Yeah. That'd be great. I mean, it's funny. I've talked to um, a buddy of mine in Arizona. He's, he's already got tickets too. I think it's the Oakland A's and Seattle game. Um, they were one of the first ones to go on, on sale, but I guess there's a lot of restrictions. You can't do no peanuts. You can't spit seeds. Um, you got to sit in different sections. Um, definitely, definitely a little bit different style, but, um, you know, he's, he's for it. He just wants to see some ball. Um, he's still gonna be able to drink beer. It looks like. So, um, I think that's, that's, that's a critical thing. And you can't, I, I just, you can't spit the beer out. Though. No, you can't spit the beer out, but you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, those beers are getting expensive last season at spring training. I'm, I can't imagine what they're going to be when they're not going to have all those fans to drink them all. So they got to up the price again for uh, the lost revenue. But anyway, Brian, what's your, what's your take on spring training this year? I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think, uh, I think major league baseball and a lot of these uh, sports uh, franchises are um, banking on the vaccine being readily available. Uh, and depending on the States, you know, they might even be eligible to get a vaccine and they might be, you know, getting the shot in these players' arms by April or May. So, you know, I, I think if they get through spring training, uh, you know, uh, I don't think they're going to have vaccines and stuff by, by spring training. You know, the players are there. They take the precautions and do what they have to do. And if the players are smart, they can get through it. Uh, and then, 
come regular season, you talk in April, you know, beginning of April, late April. I, I, I ca- I'm cautiously optimistic that we, we might not be you might not be in the same spot we were last year. I think uh, things will be a lot better. I think the the players will be protected. Uh, they might not have fans to start, uh, but Fauci himself said baseball fans, you know, should baseball should have fans this year. So how how many? We don't know, but. If things are going the way they are right now, I wouldn't be surprised by June, July, those stadiums are packed. And we're maybe not normal, but pretty close to it. That'd be be great. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, being cautiously optimistic, anything can happen. You know, as we can see what happened last year, anything, anything unheard of could actually happen. But I think it's going to be okay. I think the players are going to get through spring training. Regular season's going to go off. Fans are going to be there. And... Uh, you know, just like, just like it always is, baseball always restores some sort of normalcy uh, to a country in need for something like this. Uh, to our American pastime, it's uh, it's something that we always kind of gravitate towards too. And uh, you know, I think it's once again going to pull us out of this this rut and uh, see us through and make us happy and get baseball back and get our our sports fans all back into watching games that'd be great oh yeah play ball rob's rob finn over here is uh, america waving the american flag (laughs) love it all right guys so we're gonna stay on major league topic major league baseball topic i kind of had this question for you so you guys both grew up in new york new york area we'll say um now one of you likes the mets one of you likes the yankees so I guess I'm curious. Growing up in Arizona, I didn't really get a lot of the teams weren't there yet. But I'm curious, why did you become a Mets fan, a Yankees fan? Like what, what, what made you pick that team of the two teams growing up? Like you know, so Brian, we'll start with you. Like you're you're Yankees. So what made you pick the Yankees? Was it like a family member got you excited about the Yankees? Were they winning and the Mets weren't? Like there's got to be some reason that got got you hooked on hooked on the Yankees made you a lifelong fan so curious go go ahead Brian well, what when I was younger you the Yankees actually weren't that good in the 80s you know I was born early 80s by the time I knew what baseball was we're talking mid 80s and I had no idea you know who was good who wasn't uh, but I was born in the Bronx and kind of grew up around that you know everybody had a Yankee hat on everybody was uh you know, going to uh, pizza parlor, you know, Yankees stuff all over the place. You kind of just saw it was everywhere. It's kind of by consumption uh, for me uh, to to be a Yankees fan. And Don Mattingly was always, you know, the the face of the Yankees. Donnie Baseball was all, you know, all over the newspapers. You just you would see it. It was always there. Um, then you know, when we moved up to uh, Westchester area, there, um, you know, everybody was a Yankees fan or Mets fan. We had more Yankees fans. Uh, a lot of my friends were Yankees fans and, uh, we would just watch the games and just kind of latched on that way. You know, actually, you know, my first game that I went to was at Shea stadium. It was uh, Mets Cubs, uh, only because my father got tickets to the Mets game. Cause it was easier to take me to a Met game than it was to go to, a, go to a Yankee game. And, uh, he used to, uh, cause he was a police officer. So he would go, and back then you could actually kind of flash the badge to the, the guys that were working the seats. And if nobody was at the game, they'd just let you sit wherever you wanted, basically. And we're talking, I don't know, 1990, 91. Like, this was a while ago. 
and uh, it was uh, it was definitely an experience. But I remember vividly saying to my dad, "I'm like, oh, I want to go to a baseball game. I go to a Yankee game. Let's go to a baseball game." And he's like, oh, "I got tickets to make it." I was like, "Fine, like I'll go." And you know, just to just to go to a game, I thought it was great. But you know, deep down, I was like, "Well, it's not the Yankees, but it's okay." You know, it's 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 a New York team, so. You know, I still have my ties that way to, to New York baseball, but growing up, it was always Yankees. Um, you know, they weren't good. Like I said, Donnie Baseball was all right, but, you know, Danny Tartable, Kevin Moss, uh, you know, Pat Kelly playing second. You know, it wasn't a very, very good uh, few years there, but um, towards the, the early 90s when uh, Jimmy Key came along, David Cohn and those guys came in, they started building the team. Jeter comes in. Uh, made a trade for Paul O'Neill, and um, things kind of turned around a little bit. And obviously, they they started winning. So you, you know, everybody says you know the Yankees always always win. Well, it's not always the case, but in recent memory, they they have won a lot. But it, I also remember when it wasn't the case. It's cool. All right, all right. On the other end of it is the Mets fans. We got Rob, who's a <clears throat> big Mets fan, which is which is great. I mean, this is it's cool that you know to hear your your guys the passion you guys have for your teams. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm always going to give these guys a hard time about their teams, but at the end of the day, it's pretty yeah, cool. If you mentioned you know, 0-1, they, they get to grow up with them. Lose it. <laughs> what um, happened two, in 0-1? He's talking about 2001. I don't know. Yeah, what happened in 2001 <laughs> when the Dimebacks had a walk-off in Game 7 against the Yankees. All right. Oh, um, interesting. <laughs> all right, Rob. So what's your Mets story? Why How would you become a Mets fan? You know, I know it's been a, it's been a tough number of years right now, but – um, obviously when you were a kid, what, what made you pick the Mets? Oh man, I don't think I picked the Mets. The Mets picked me. I was, uh, like similar Brian story. I was born in Queens. So, um, you know, they were, they were just a team in Queens. Right. And we moved out of Queens to Long Island in 1986 and we were packing and moving up in the end of October, early November timeframe. And I kind of remember like it was just the buzz, like the, the game, the world series games were always on TV. We we're packing at night. And I didn't really know what was going on. Like I knew it was baseball, but I didn't understand the 86 excitement and what happened and everything. Um, but my mom says, you know, it was while we were packing during game six of 86 series, you can physically hear, if you went outside, you can hear the roar from the stadium when Buckner blows that ball and the Mets like win the game. Like they said it was so loud we were you know, 10 miles from, from Shea stadium. She said it was insane. And I mean, it could have been the people in the neighborhood too screaming and just like the echo effect. We just said it was nuts. So, I mean, I kind of was just born into it. And my first Mets, I would say my first Mets game, I'm sure I went to a couple, but I remember the one of the first ones I recall going to was my dad had told us, Hey, we're going to go see some old friends of mine. I think we had just moved out to Long Island. It was maybe 87, 88. And, my, and he's like, oh, bring your baseball gloves. We'll, we'll have a catch. And I'm like, oh, we don't have a catch. He's like, bring your gloves. Have a catch. So I'm like, fine. We get in the car. We're driving. I'm like, where the hell are we going? We were 45 minutes in the car. And we pull into Shea Stadium parking lot. And we're, my brother, he's like, what do you mean? He was like tricking us. He's like, oh, my old friends, the Mets. And then we made us bring our gloves because it was a game. It was the Expos. And I stole the ticket stub. We got upper deck seats for $6 a piece. Which is insane. So I still have the ticket stub from nineteen uh, from my eighty seven eighty eight game. Um, from then on, it was just you know always the Mets. They were great in the eighties, and you know they had their downtime and up and down a little bit in the nineties. Um, but that's how it was. You know, you just grew up in a Mets fan, and 
my brother and I just became Mets fans. Long Island had a lot of Mets fans out there. There was a lot of Mets Jets, but I went with the the Giants more ninety. Uh, so it's, I was a rarity to to be a Mets Giants fan, but that was it. That was it. Once from then on, it was always Mets baseball. Mets, Mets, Mets. You know, I don't know. I always saw the Yankees. Again, they weren't great in the eighties. They got better in the nineties, and then you start like, ah, uh, now they're the the crosstown rival Yankees. You know, it wasn't like ah, oh, they're the Yankees. Now you're like, oh man, I don't like those guys. Um, and it came over a rivalry. I felt like as I got older in the nineties, and and the Yankees got good, but they've always had this like. Mets great in the eighties, Yankees great in the nineties, uh, and then we never kind of flip flop. I think both teams have been, you know, had their ups and downs. So I'm excited. I think both teams are going to do well this year. So um, we should have a lot of banter back and forth between Brian and I. <laughs> yeah, no, it should be great. I mean, it's, I mean, you guys got a new owner this year, so um, hopefully that's going to help with you know spending some money. Looks like they've already gotten some good acquisitions already this off season. Um, you know, make you guys competitive, which is always good for fans. You you hate when you have a bad owner; it just doesn't turn out. You you want to have a good owner in there that's going to spend some money that actually genuinely wants his team to win. Uh, that's that makes the difference. So it's it's great to hear your guys' story about um, who did you who did you root for before you had a team? So yeah, that's that's a weird story. So growing up in Arizona, our dime we didn't have the Dimebacks till 1998. So. Definitely weird getting a you know. Um, That's weird. New, I graduated high school in 1998. I couldn't imagine not having yeah. a team until I was a senior in high school. <laughs> it's, it was definitely weird, but we had spring training, so we could always go see spring training, which was cool in March, right? So, you know, I went to a, just a, a number of games, got to see a number of teams. It was great. I ended up picking up on. I ended up being a Braves fan at the beginning because they were on. I think it was TBS or TNT all the time. Yep. So I, I kind of got to know that team. <laughs> Just honestly, because I got to see him so much. Um, same with the Cubs, but I didn't. I never really got onto the Cubs. Yeah, the there Cubs so were on WGN. They were always on Channel yeah. Nine or something during the day because they always played day games. Yeah. So you'd come home from school and they'd be playing at three o'clock or whatever when you get home from school. It was always on. Yeah, Harry Carey, Steve Stone. I remember that all the time. I can't tell you how many games I watched. I just, I never figured out. I just never jumped on the Cubs bandwagon. A lot of Cubs fans in Arizona uh, went went with the Braves, and it's kind of funny because the Braves kept doing what the Buffalo Bills were doing, which is another team I liked before we had the Cardinals. Was they would get to the championship and lose? I, I just figured it was just me. I, I like the you. teams that just like to get it the championship and lose. Yeah, it is. And the Braves find the Braves finally beat the Indians, and I was like, all right, I think it's, I think this is broken. Um, and then, obviously, in 2001, Brian says I can't bring. You hear up, that, Jim? Ke- Jim Kelly, if you're listening, it's all Nate's fault, Jim Kelly. <laughs> but uh, no, so I, I kind of like them. I got to go. Um, I had my grandmother in San Diego, so I went to a Padres game. I kind of like the Padres because you know they had Tony Gwynn, Fred McGriff, you know the crime dog. Uh, we used to go to center field. Steve Finley would be back there, and we'd always everybody would always yell, you know, "Hey, Steve!" And he'd always turn around and wave to our section. Um, so I kind of like them, but I, you know, I never really had a team team until Dimebacks came. And I can tell you the first game I went to, I sat behind the pool when my friends and I were getting tickets. We're like, where do we want to sit? And we're like, dude, we, we got to sit by that pool. How cool is that? There's a pool in this ballpark. So we sat behind, um, the, the pool in right field. And, uh, we were, we were given Gary Sheffield a hard time. First game we went to was the Mar against the Marlins. Um, and we were joking, we were just joking, and LeVon Hernandez was like, hey, LeVon, throw me a ball, and he did. So I actually got a game ball that he threw. He was the World Series MVP the prior year, so that was kind of cool, and we just heckled Gary Sheffield 
the entire game, he was getting annoyed with us. He gave us a little middle finger as he adjusted his cap. Um, but it was great because, you know, we were just trying to adapt to having our own team. What do we do? A right field, we got to, you know, we got to rip on the team, the opposing team. And um, def- definitely cool. Uh, but, you know, I don't have the roots. I, you know, I can just say I was a Diamondback fan since the beginning. But, you know, it's kind of cool having the stories of growing up and seeing your team's logo everywhere. And then saying, okay, like, well, does my dad like the Yankees? My dad like the Mets. Uh, maybe I'll go with them, or maybe I'll revolt against my parents and pick the team they don't like. And uh, it's it, it's interesting, but it's it's kind of fun just to see what you guys have compared to what I have, which is, you know, Arizona was just a new sports town, and, you know, a lot of our teams didn't come in when I was there. So I kind of like a little bit more of team. People say I'm a front runner. I'm really not. There's just other teams I've kind of, you know, uh, invested time in. And kind of thought, all right, I kind of like this team. I'll root for them. I like them. I'll root for them. And um, but yeah, def- definitely weird. And obviously, we only have one championship in the state of Arizona with all our teams. So hopefully, that that'll change soon. But all I got to do is hang my hat on 2001. That's all I got. Yeah, I hope that changes too. So we don't have to hear about it anymore. <laughs> so what was it like? I mean, obviously, we haven't had a new franchise in the New York area forever. What was it like to get a franchise? Like the build up to it and everything. And like, I, what was it? It was them in. Who was the other franchise? Colorado Rockies came the in. Rockies. I can't remember it was Rockies Marlins. No, no, no. no, no, no. It was I'm Rockies sorry. Marlins was the, came um, in together. Okay, yeah. Rockies Marlins came. We came in with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay okay. Rays. So what was That's it like? Like, Tampa what was the buildup? Because you guys obviously had a long. I mean, it was almost a year. You knew it was. Just say they announced so. that like a year or two before. We had right? a couple years. Yeah. Jerry Colangelo, who owned the Phoenix Suns, was like one of the main things. That's why Purple was in it. Was because Purple was with the Phoenix Suns. That's why the Diamondbacks had Purple at the beginning. Was because Jerry Colangelo. Uh, was part one of the like the part owners for that. Um, I could tell you it was it was exciting. Like when the logo was released, everybody was excited. I think months prior to that, when they did a contest to what team they were going to pick, you know, everybody could now throw names out there, and they kind of picked a name, and the name came out that was cool. Di- you know, Arizona Diamondbacks. Then a few months after that, it was like okay, there's a logo contest. Everybody got to build logos. I can't. I can tell you in school. I think it was middle school. We, we actually had a day in our art class where the teacher said, look, we want to submit everybody. Why don't you draw Arizona Diamondbacks something? And we're going to you know, put them all in a big envelope and we're going to send them to the, you know, to the league for the, for the logo. I mean, that was really cool. We got to you know, do that. And that's in you know, middle school. Like, nobody else gets that option, right? I mean, so that was, that was cool. And then when they announced that, that was cool. And then we got our manager, uh, Buck Showalter. That was cool. Then we got our, um, you know, the what is it the, the draft what's it called the expansion draft where they draft expects expansion draft that was really a big deal we got matt williams um travis lee was the big name we got david delucci um you know it's it was really cool so all these little steps were like everybody be excited and then and then of course we had the baseball um stadium that had the roof that opened and that was a huge deal so once once the stadium opened that was like front page news huge build up um, first pitch was everywhere. The photo of the first pitch was everywhere. It was Andy Bennett's. Um, so it's, it was really cool. And then, every, then it was like every time you'd go to the ballpark, the, for the first time, you had to get there early because you wanted to see the roof open. They had this cool music that played, and then it opened. Like that was the thing. Everybody would literally stop. You could tell the people had never been to the ballpark before because they'd stop, look straight up, and watch. No matter where they were in the aisle, they would just literally stop and watch. It was really cool. So little stuff like that where – um, then you started getting big, you know, fans from other teams coming in and they're kind of like, eh, whatever, cool ballpark, but let's, I want to see my boys play. And it, it kind of got, you know, it settled down after that. And then in 2001, obviously, I mean, four years after being a team, that was, that was pretty impressive. I think that was the, 
you know, shortest time for a team to, to win a World Series was four years. So, and then, you know, we, we beat, we were, we were better than the Rays, basically, I want to say, ever since we were a team um, until recently. But, yeah, I think little, the, little, I think the closest on, we yeah. got to it was uh, probably when the new Yankee Stadium and then City Field opened, Brian, right? I mean, I think that's got to be the closest thing we have to, like, that opening day yeah. excitement. I mean, I remember City Field. I mean, Shea, I love Shea. I'm sure you loved old Yankee Stadium. You know, you grew up still, in it. Still still love old Yankee Stadium better than, yeah. better than new Yankee Stadium. I, I'll yeah. never. I think they, they should have changed it a little bit. I mean, we thought that would be another topic, but um, I didn't look too much like it. But I love the new – and the new City Field was weird because, like, you love this. I love Shea. I know it was a, uh, I don't know, it was a tin can, right? With the different levels of art. every level was a different color and it went straight up. City Field just had a great vibe. Like it took a little while to get used to. But it's more of a ballpark. It's, it's nice. Right? I mean, it's got it's the wrought iron, you know, uh, you know, the beams, exposed beams and the brick. And it kept and a lot of things it looks from cool. it too. Yeah. And it kept the old apple in there. You know, it's out there in center field beyond. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's in the park a lot. So there's a lot of cool things you have. So I think that's probably the closest we get to Nate is like having that new, new franchise, new, new stadium excitement. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely excitement going to New Yankee Stadium. You had to go check it out and everything. But honestly, going in there, I was like, man, this is just a bigger corporate version of the old Yankee Stadium. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I get it. It's the Yankees. You know, it's the Yankees. It's always big and gaudy and like, you know, everything's just extravagant and, you know, no, uh, no expense spared. You know, it's just like everything is to the top and, uh, you know, just, and look, everything in there is amazing. All the food is good. Uh, the seats are great. The vantage point, you know, the, the viewpoints from everywhere is pretty awesome. I mean, they did a good job, but you know, and I hate to be the, you know, the purist where it's like, Oh, you can't change anything. Cause I'm all for, for change. I, I really am. But old Yankee stadium just had a different vibe. There's just, you know, the ghosts of old Yankee stadium. You know, the, you oh, know, it's the, like, there were, yeah, things happen. Definitely. I've seen it. I was there. I've seen things happen there that you were just like, <clears throat> how did, how does that happen? Like the, the, the ghosts are here, like sixth inning. That's when the ghosts came and they would just win. And especially Yankees, Red Sox games. It was, it would always happen. It, I, I, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I don't know if it's just going to take another, uh, you know, 50 years with the new Yankee stadium to have something like that or some sort of rivalry or have that history. But the things that went on in old Yankee stadium and the, and the stuff that, that was, uh, the history that was made there, uh, just, I don't even know if that'll ever be ever be replaced or, or replicated in the, in the new stadium. It would be nice to, it wish, I wish they would have kept the old Yankee stadium, made it like a museum or something. Um, I mean, I, that's one thing I wish I would have been able to get over to New York to a Yankees game. Obviously I grew up just, I wasn't really a big fan of the Yankees. Um, cause it was more of like, they're the enemy. They always win, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I, I always appreciated their history, but I would have loved to have gone to an old Yankee stadium, you know, old Yankee stadium for a game, but I wish they would have kept it right. Like done something with the major league baseball should have come in and bought it. Um, put some major league baseball offices in there or something like that. Let the field be rented out for multi-use, whatever. But it is it is kind of a bummer. Obviously, I haven't been to the new Yankee Stadium, but I've driven by it. It looks you know pretty nice from everything I've seen. Um, this summer, I was going to say. Yeah. We'll, we'll, I mean, at some point, let's go get our shots. Let's just go. Yeah. No, I mean, and and I do have to say, like, 
the best stadium, I'm sure you, you know, Brian probably would hate to hear this, but I think still my favorite stadium is Yankee Stadium. I mean, not Yankee Stadium, uh, the Fenway Park. Fenway. I've been there twice. I went there as a kid before they did a lot of the renovations. Really cool. The Green Monster it was like, you know, Wade Boggs years. My, it was Wade Boggs, Mike Greenwell. They were not very good, but love the stadium. All I remember was just so much about the stadium. And I got to go back a couple years ago um, with my, my wife's uncle, who's uh, lived over there. And we went to a Red Sox game, and it was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, it's so old, but I, I just love the old feel to it. It's just really cool. Yeah, like, but those seats are tight. Fenway's yeah. like that. I mean, that, that was basically what old Yankee Stadium was like. You had yeah. Yankee Stadium, Fenway Park, and Wrigley Field. And Wrigley Field is still going to be my favorite uh, you know, I love that place. Fenway, you know, as much as I dislike the Red Sox, Fenway Park is definitely a good time. Uh, if you haven't been, I suggest you go. It's uh, it's pretty awesome up there. Boston's a great town to party in. Uh, they love their baseball. They love their sports. Uh, as much as a rivalry, uh, you can have a good conversation with anybody in that ballpark uh, about baseball uh, in general, not just Yankees, Red Sox, but the, the history between the two teams and uh, two two big sports towns. Uh, it's it's fun, a lot of fun. If anyone gets out there to Wrigley Field, definitely um, check out the stadium. Even if they're not in town, they do tours for twenty bucks, and you get to go in the locker rooms. You get to go in the press box. I think it's almost worth it not to go to a game. I've been to a game and I've done a tour with my wife. But uh, right, Brian, that, that stadium I like a little bit more than Fenway. They're both great history, but underneath. Uh, Chicago. I mean, just getting off that train, you know, like you just sitting there holding on to the rail and all of a sudden you pull up and you're like, oh man, there's a stadium right there. And like just tons of fans. It doesn't matter if it's a weeknight game. And then, you know, just, it has that old school vibe. So it's a, if you ever get to Chicago, definitely go check out Wrigley field. Even if there's no game, you can get tours for like 20 bucks. I like it guys. Well, you know, we're going to probably have to do a ballpark thing. Uh, one of these next podcasts because definitely some good good info on probably some of the ballparks we've been to as uh as fans and maybe even done tours of so um but we're actually out of time this is great so um we'll give you guys another you know final minute so brian we'll start with you if you want a final minute before uh we head out here uh well you know with baseball starting uh let's go yankees be interesting to see uh what they can do this year uh, they were somewhat quiet you know, during the off season, as far as signings and trades, uh, you know, I think the the Mets made some some big moves. Lindor is definitely going to be a big uh, addition for them. Um, it's going to be interesting in New York for baseball. I think both teams are going to be good. Uh, it'll be fun to watch. I think that rivalry might come back again this year. Um, but yeah, let's hopefully we'll be able to get to a game. Maybe we'll do a, a little podcast on the road from the parking lot. And before we go in or something like that. So let's, uh, let's hope that we can do that uh, and things go well as they are now. Uh, and we'll, we'll see everybody at the game. Yeah, tailgate edition. I like it. All right, Rob, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to piggyback off of that. I'm excited for baseball. I think, you know, looking at the Mets rotation from last year to this year, it's, you know, DeGrom's still at the top of the lineup. But, uh, you know, Noah's going to be back. You got uh, Carrasco, you got uh, Stroman playing. Um, I, I, you know, it's just a different team. It's a different feel with a different owner. And you know, they, they Lindor is obviously a big move. They didn't get some guys they wanted, but I think they had a great offseason. You can't get everybody, right? You know, you're gonna get outbid. They don't want to spend overspend the money, and I can respect that. Um, 
but the Mets got some nice prospects coming up too. So I, I'm not, I don't care that we don't get every, every person. So I think they have a good solid team. They're adding depth and I, hopefully they'll be really competitive this year and, and we'll see some uh, dual New York playoff baseball this year. There you go. All right. I'll keep it short and sweet. Go Diamondbacks. Go, uh, go Suns. Go Coyotes. All right. Uh, for Rob and Brian and myself, this has been Trumbled Ads. Have a great night. <laughs>